Hi, I'm Kate. And I'm Lori. We've always thought that the most compelling story strikes the perfect balance between an honest look at the mess of life and the humor that can be found in the mess. To be perfectly honest, we don't really know how to live life without both the humor and the authenticity. Our podcast might be a little bit of whiplash at times. We can spin from hard and deep to humor and laughing on a dime. The hard will be really hard and the truths we share are the ugliest of humanity. We don't intend to make it seem like it's all fine or to pretty up the pain, but we also know that the joy we found is all the more profound because of the pain. So we hope you can stick with us through the ugly because there will also be joy and hope and humor. Welcome to the ugly truth about the girl next door. Hi, welcome back to our podcast, The Ugly Truth About the Girl Next Door. I'm Kate. And I'm Lori. Take number five. <laughs> At least. At least. <laughs> um, it takes us a minute, you know? It's like, it's like a, it's not a well-oiled machine is what I'm saying. <laughs> I don't know. Anyways, uh, we're back. We are back both. But don't hit the microphone on your forehead. Um, we are back both podcasting. Which, I don't even know. When's the last time we dropped an episode? I feel like we recorded a few, and then... So, it's been a few weeks before since yeah. we recorded. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, just so everyone knows, we are kind of shifting into our summer schedule of podcasting. Um, for a little while, we were trying to drop an episode every, like, weekend. Um, but with summer and just so much going on, we will be switching to minimum every other week. We will definitely, every other week, be podcasting you never know when something's gonna happen and we feel the need to throw an episode in there um but for now our our scheduled plan planned schedule I guess is gonna be um every other week so stay tuned for that but so today yeah we're back podcasting awesome back recording um but we also just got back from a trip to Boston Massachusetts so which was amazing amazing yeah um so many things to say about it. Um, we feel like we keep kind of trying to explain it. Um, and, and it just like words fail. Yeah. It's kind of like, if you know, you know, <laughs> but we're going to try to explain it today. Um, yeah, it would be a pretty terrible podcast if we were just like, yeah, it was great. Yeah. Like we, we, we got back from words. Boston and it's great. <laughs> we got no words. That's the whole podcast. <laughs> Five minutes. Easy download. <laughs> Let's not do that. <laughs> oh okay. my goodness. So we went in with well hang on let's talk okay. about mezzo first okay so okay uh if you follow us on social media um you may have uh seen us talk about our um about our uh our up our, our new venture right what do you what do i don't even know our new project program. our new program our new journey journey I um journey. yeah journey feels right um so Lori and i have launched um a new program called mezzo um we haven't talked about too much on the podcast because we've been this is these are this is one of the things that we've been talking about that we've been working on behind the scenes um lots and lots of work has gone into it um but essentially mezzo is the italian word for the middle and for a long time Lori and i have been talking about this space between uh where it came from you know the beginning to there's no end really, but to a place of healing and <laughs> that makes you 
make that noise. Okay. I know. I just don't like that word. Like, it's such a cliched thing to say, but. Um, okay. So let me try to describe it. Okay. You can go tell for me it. if I'm close. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've sort of talked about by history that during the times when you were really deep into the dark world and stuck there, something there was something on the other side the goal the dream was to get to a place where there was a place of solid stability mm -hmm. a place you could stand to begin to build a life that felt good to you that yeah. was what you needed and what you deserved but between the dark world and that there was this whole space and there always is for a survivor there is always a it takes a journey to get from the experience of the abuse all the way to the other side where there's something new and like whole and healthy. But too often the middle space fell through. Yeah. Yeah. And so the idea of Mezzo is that we are trying to create a program that provides support so that that middle holds for people that are trying to get from that place of being still stuck in the dark world things that the middle holds to help them bridge across to survivorship yeah yeah it's basically that you know the idea of like safe passage across right um yeah so our program is twofold first we um so this is going to lead into why we were in boston i guess but um our first first part of mezzo is education so uh, we are seeing and recognizing that not a lot of people are talking about this type of, of trafficking. A lot of people understand trafficking in a way that is, you know, pimp controlled, that is gang controlled, um, which looks really, really, really different from the family controlled trafficking and child exploitation. I think people even understand the idea in today's day and age, a teen being lured online mm -hmm. into sharing photographs that now becomes something that is used to keep them trapped and exploit them. Right. People understand that as well. We People also understand that children in foster care are vulnerable to being lured you know, into an environment where they are now being exploited or children who are homeless being exploited yes we understand all that and it's terrible and that is a certain kind of trapped absolutely but there is not enough conversation being had about children who are literally being exploited by their family members yeah so we've said it a million times if we've said it once you know we know that 40 percent average 40 percent of all trafficking survivors um, the trafficker is a child, is a, the child's caregiver or parent. And yet, so we know that statistic, but then we stop there. Then we like, then we, uh, we jump to pimp controlled, gang controlled online type of things. Um, and so what we have found in doing the pot, we kind of like put our head up after like lots and lots of months of just being in the trenches of, you know, my own story and the podcast and the stupid church investigations and the going back and forth and like all the different things, we kind of popped our head up and said, Oh my gosh, like there's all these other survivors out there who we are now meeting and who are, we are now able to be in contact with. And yet nobody is really talking about the idea of, of family controlled um, child sexual exploitation. We're really targeting services to that population. Right. Really? Oh, my goodness. Right. Um, so Mezzo was kind of born out of that thought of nobody's talking about it. And 
you know, I guess we will. (laughs) Um, So that's the first piece is the education. We want to educate the world. And we've said this before again in a live, I think, um, trying to build an army of people who can who can spot the signs, who know what to look for, who look at the red flags, the very specific red flags in this specific type of trafficking and um, exploitation. And not only can they see it, but they know what to do. They know how to get help. They know how to get the right help. Um, they know where to go. And then the second part of Mezzo is the advocacy piece. And we've kind of really in the last couple of days um, fine-tuned and honed in on what does our advocacy piece look like. Um, and our hope is that we can be a support system for the helpers of the world. So first we educate them and we say, okay, this is what you need to know about this type of trafficking and exploitation. This is what you should look for. This is how to get help. But now these people who are educated are going out into the world and they're maybe coming in contact with some of these survivors, either as children, you know, the survivor is a child still, or as an adult survivor who is still like myself, desperately trying to get out of the dark world. Um, so, but what does that helper do, <laughs> right? They'll have all this education and training and tools, hopefully, if, if you know, if they've been through our trainings, but there's still a lot of support that is needed there. Um, connecting them to people, cultivating systems and providers, healthcare providers, med- you know, mental health professionals who can actually come alongside them and, and walk in this middle space. Um, I think it's a lot like educating and then supporting foster care parents, right? We want to educate them on the reality that they're stepping into. A lot of people, maybe not a lot of people, but there are people I think who say yes to that hard thing with this like fantasy in mind of like, oh, it's going to be, you know, I'm doing a good thing, but then they get into the middle of it and it's really, really, really hard. (laughs) Um, So not only educating them on that reality, but then also supporting them through it as they walk through it. So you've said many times that, um, it's so important for people to be able to show up for a survivor um, to help them bridge that gap. But when they show up and they can't hold, the, the middle falls apart and it's worse in many ways than if they had never showed up at Absolutely. all. Absolutely, yeah. If, if a survivor, child or otherwise, um, does the hard thing and discloses even any, any part, even a small part, even if they're not using the word trafficking, if they disclose that something bad is happening to them and that person then that they've disclosed to jumps in and tries to kind of walk out some steps but then can't hold it all or steps back, it it would have been better to never disclose. (laughs) Um, And we feel the need to to fix that. Can you say why that is though? Why, Why is it? Well, so much worse. because first, I mean, so many reasons. First and foremost, the actual reality, especially when it's family controlled. A lot of times what would happen is I would, you know, seek help. It would be too much. It would be too intense. They, you know, the further I would trust this person in front of me, whether it be a youth leader or a teacher or whoever, um, the scarier it got for them because the things I was disclosing were heavy and a lot. And their first, like, fallback was to call my parents. So on a very basic it was worse because level, 
uh, was there was consequences and awful, awful abuse that was coming out of that reality. Um, you know, so that. <laughs> There's also the idea that it's so dangerous to hope. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. um, for each time that that happened, it was way less likely that I would ever try again. In fact, every time that did happen, I would, I would, I would hurt myself uh, thinking about how stupid I was for trying again, how insane I had to be to think that this would be different. Um, I would be angry with myself that I, uh, you know, that I even tried. <laughs> um, so most survivors, it takes a shit ton of courage to reach out for help at all even with a very small disclosure. And so if it doesn't, if it does any further harm or isn't safe, the likelihood that they'll try again, it could be a very, very long time before they try again. Um, And meanwhile, things are really bad in their situation because they tried to reach out for help. Um, So it's really twofold with that. Doing what we can to help that middle space hold steady is critically important. Yeah. Thus mezzo. Yeah, so thus mezzo. So, yeah, like we said, we're creating this um, this program that's hopefully going to shake the world a bit, you know? Yeah, that's the idea. And we're <laughs> so excited, I think, to add our voices to it, voices that are existing in this realm, um, which kind of came to us. We are, we are excited and surprised. <laughs> Um, that's a small word. I, we've said this again before, but I, I keep feeling the need to remind the people that are listening and the people that are now adding us to the conversation that, uh, the podcast was born out of a place of desperation. A lot of people throw around a lot of things, you know, a lot of people say a lot of things about survivors. She's doing it for attention. She's doing it for money. She's doing it for whatever. The podcast was born out of a place of desperation there was nobody else helping. There was no um, support. We had tried every single avenue. We um, And we're going to do an episode, I think, that covers kind of all those specifics. But we had gone to the church. We had gone to police. We had gone to the local organizations. We had gone, you know, we had exhausted all of our options for safety. And it was very scary. And it was really bad. And the podcast was born out of a place of, one, strength in numbers, right? If we put it out there into the universe, then people will know and we'll be able to maybe someone out there can help, right? We don't know who that someone is, but maybe someone can help. And two, and I don't know that we've even said this really, but um, the idea that I was being threatened and being threatened with um, – the worst case scenario of something happening to me, um, we will disappear you was the threat. Um, and so in my, in my thought it was, well, if that happens, at least my story in my own voice will already be out in the world. Nobody will be able to question whether or not I made a decision to leave or whether or not it really was an accident or I know that sounds crazy maybe and morbid, but that is truly where we were at was I need to have in my own words what happened to me out in the universe so that should the worst happen. 
we we never ever saw coming no the last year and a half um ever <laughs> so uh yeah so we find ourselves in this space now of being uh this voice that's being asked to come to the table and and we're excited like holy crap and a li- definitely surprised <laughs> uh right we're kind of blown away by um, I mean, I think we felt for a long time that um, there was something clearly in this area. This was a conversation that needed to be had in our Western New York community. But I don't know that we fully appreciated that it's a broader problem in the sense, not that family controlled trafficking, we weren't surprised to find that that's a broader problem. I think we've been surprised to find that it's not just local to Western New York that this is underreported and under discussed and underserved. Um, right. No. Uh, uh, Yes, a thousand percent. So Kate made a comment on one of our podcast episodes. I think the anniversary podcast, right? You you said, um, so haha, if anybody wants us to come and speak. <laughs> Shortly thereafter, I think like literally that night, that night yes. I got an email from someone from the state of Massachusetts um, who is in charge of their child protective services anti-trafficking response. Um, and she said, were you serious? Because we like what you're doing and we really need some of the information. Would you be willing to have a conversation about coming out here to speak to our staff? Um, which led us to, of course, say yes, because we are very much about trying to bring that okay, information. Wait. I just have to say that. <laughs> of course we said yes, but you say that so professionally. I'm pretty sure the text, the <laughs> back like, and forth text what? was like, uh, so, like, this super important person at DCF in Massachusetts just reached out, like, <laughs> what, are we going to do this? And it was like, I think, I think so. Are we going to do this? <laughs> are we? I think we are. Are we going to Boston or, or what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pretty mind boggling. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, continue. Very mind boggling. <laughs> Especially the fact that I started my career in Massachusetts. So, for yeah, me, way full it's circle. Way full circle. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, so when we really kind of nailed down the fact that that was really something we were looking at doing, we realized that we needed to inform ourselves about what Massachusetts was already doing in the anti-trafficking world, which led us to discover My Life, My Choice, which is the uh, primary anti-trafficking organization in the state of Massachusetts. Um, and they really are rapidly becoming the gold standard across the country for uh, as a model for an anti-trafficking response. Um, and they specifically really do target um, the, you know, teens that are now kind of, they move into sometimes adult exploitation environments. Um, so, we had the opportunity this past weekend to go to Boston to attend their annual um, Turn on the Light fundraiser, uh, which was... Ah, okay, f- again, first of all, though, uh, Nikki, the, 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 the woman who is their training director at My Life, My Choice, on a whim, invited us, was like, mm-hmm. hey, come, come to Boston. And we were like, okay. Are we going to do that? <laughs> like, I, are we, I think are we, we might do Boston? that. I think we might. I think we might. Um, but yeah, no, it was continue yeah yeah because we really are we are aware that there's a lot that we don't know and I feel like this is the spirit we wish we could find more in our area of we are well aware that there are there's a lot that we don't know Mm -hmm. we know what we know but there's a ton of things we don't know and we're eager to be informed by people who are doing this well we're eager to find um 
we're eager to add our voices. We're not right. interested in in eliminating or overpowering anything that already exists. We're we're excited and interested in adding our voices. Um, we went to Boston though on this trip with sort of the the mindset More in a receiving position. Yeah, I we were like. like we would love to come and attend your event, hear what it is that you guys are doing, hear what you, uh, how you're doing it. Um, we wanted to sit down and talk with this woman from DCF and just find out what do the, what are their, how up to speed are they on family control trafficking already? Um, and also what else are you doing, right? We, we were in a very like, we're here to learn. Um, and what we found was we learned a lot and it was a much more um, two-way conversation weekend. Like we were as much there to learn as they were excited for us to be there to learn from us. Right, which <laughs> was, I know, an experience, especially I think for you, having been in a space where you've been so marginalized and that's, I don't know, it's a word that doesn't even begin to cover that experience of being dismissed and discounted and cast aside. But you had lived your whole life in that space. And then we show up in Massachusetts and this person who is their director of training, who is actually a primary participant in this fundraiser, is texting us all the way to Massachusetts. Hey, let me know when you get here. How's your trip? Hope it's mm -hmm. going well. Let me know. I'll meet you in the lobby. And she does. And she hugs us. Mm -hmm. Like, what? Yeah. We've never, um, you know, we've been doing the podcast for a year and a half. Obviously, like it has developed and has changed over that time. And so many things have happened and both good and bad, you know, the highs and lows. But we have never been in a space where we've never been in a professional space at this point mm -hmm. where there's a mutual respect. Right. Like <sighs> the community, much of the community has, in fact, rallied around. Absolutely. Us. We're so grateful. So for grateful. That. But professionally, it's been a lot of crickets. A lot of crickets. Yeah. Um, so. Boston was amazing. We found kind of this magical unicorn place. I texted my husband and said, meet me in Boston. We live here now. <laughs> he didn't agree to that. Nope. <laughs> Although my husband was like, oh, we're going back. Oh, okay. good. We're moving there. Cool, cool, cool. I mean, yeah. that's a little easier for you guys, but. <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. Um, but yeah, no, we, we found this place that was, you know, the people that we connected with, again, the mutual respect, the, um, just the the genuine care and concern mm -hmm. and the desire to learn, the desire to um, really have uh, well-educated and um, great conversations with us was really, really refreshing. Um, it was also, there is a huge emphasis, both with My Life, My Choice, and with the Department of Child and Family Services, on the value of lived experience. And that is not something that I have ever experienced. <laughs> um, my experience mostly has been uh, as a victim, not so much, you know, a survivor. It, it's been, you're the victim. You should just be thankful that anyone is helping you. Um, and Part of that, I'm sure, is my perception from my, you know, trauma responses. No, okay, point, so right? yeah, so the the value of survivor led and the value of lived experience and the true and genuine care and concern that they have for survivors of any type of trafficking, um, 
is very, very upside down and backwards from what my experience has been. Um, so we had an amazing weekend for so many reasons, but it gave us this perspective on, okay, what is going on here? Is Boston a magical unicorn? Or maybe there are things here that we just aren't really aware of. Yeah, exactly. So we started looking. So we did a little homework. We did a little research about, okay, well, what's in... So back up, I guess. the um, This woman at DCF, um, again, this woman is like just like total props. Like if she, I'm sure she's listening because she was quoting the podcast back to us. Like she probably listens to it more than we do. Um, total amazing. Like I want to be here when I grow up type of person. Um, intelligent. So earth. Yes. Committed to the mission. Very, um, thoughtful mm. in what she says. Just very, you know, but also and like sensitive. Yeah. To what this experience, was. but also super funny. Yes. Like I was like, Oh my God, she got my joke. And you know, <laughs> I always have a joke in my head. Um, really, really amazing woman. Um, so we were, yeah, we walked away from that meeting like, oh, my God, what just happened? We just, yeah, she's amazing. Um, but she asked us, what's in Western New York? What do you guys have there? What kind of what kind of organizations do you have that are in the anti-trafficking movement? What is your, what does New York State's CPS look like and their DSF and all, or uh, DCF? What is, what do you guys have? <laughs> we were like, well. We'll let you know. Yeah. <laughs> We're like, well, we yeah. know. We, we know have a what CAC. we think we know. Yeah, we have a CAC. We have, you know, a couple different things. Um, we, as we've always said, there are there are lots of organizations that are doing their thing in their lane, right? So um, some really awesome or- – Mona's House is an amazing organization in Buffalo that is doing excellent work um, with – mostly prevention of trafficking and also a lot of pimp control trafficking, um, more classic to what you would imagine trafficking to look like. Um, amazing work in their lane. Awesome. Um, the International Institute, right? That's a we big one. We keep being referred My back God, to the we, International Institute. We have been rerouted so many times. Over we and spoke over. to so many people and their answer was, you know what, you got to go talk to the advocate at the International Institute. Um, but when we talked to the advocate at the International Institute, it was a little bit confusing because they tr- they tried. They, yeah. Well, yes, I mean, their tried. director of support services, yeah. I, I had a conversation with her and she was a really lovely, lovely human being. Um, but the mission statement of the International Institute, it says the mission of the International Institute of Buffalo is to make Western New York a better place for and because of Immigrants and refugees. That's the mission statement. The Institute offers refugee resettlements and employment programs, provides services to survivors of domestic violence and human trafficking, translation and interpretation services to break down barriers, presents global education programs for students, adults, businesses, and hosts international visitors. So their name says it all, right? I'm not sure why we, a, a suburban white girl who grew up in a crazy, like, family-controlled, ritualistic, church-based trafficking situation, is being rerouted to the International Institute. So what they're doing, the work they're doing, amazing. Very good. With Very refugees. Important. Huge. With, um, I mean, the a job that I... Um, had in the past we partnered with them for some trainings because our um, clinic saw a lot of refugees we did a lot of work with refugees so their work in that space top notch but they are not the place 
for someone like me. <laughs> right. And and their services around commercial exploitation is a part of what they offer, but mm-hmm. it is not the primary right. Right. focus of their programs. Right. So we were like, okay, that makes sense. And we've always kind of said that, you know, that that's the case, that there isn't a lot out there. We said that to this woman in Boston um, and just said, yeah. But so then we, yesterday, we did um, a little bit digging into more. um, Like the Child Advocacy Center, for example. (laughs) So the Child Advocacy Center, for those who don't know. So there have been developments over the recent decades, really, around how do we respond to a child's allegation of sexual abuse. It used to be that a child would be interviewed by a social worker and then would have to be re-interviewed by a detective and then would have to be re-interviewed by a DA and then would over and telling their story over and over. So therefore being re-traumatized. The Child Advocacy Center seeks to bring all of that in-house so that a child has to encounter fewer contacts with investigators. Um, So they have to tell their story story a few times. And they are given the opportunity to be spoken to by someone who specializes in conversations with children around sexual abuse experiences. So they are to be the gatekeeper, kind of, again, the gold standard for how do we respond to a child who has experienced a sexual abuse experience um, in the, the, the best way. Um, yeah, so, so, so you've talked about... Look at that. Yeah, I, I had a, a CAC experience. Again, this was in the like early 2000s, so um, I believe that some things have changed in terms of how... like. Uh, when I went to the CAC, it was not a trained person that was talking to me. It was actually just a detective. Um, and so I think that they've gotten better in some of those protocols, that they now do have a trained social worker who knows how to, you know, interact with a child and talk about these things in a way that is safe and all the things. Um, that wasn't the case when I was there. But I, I view them as kind of like home base, right? Like when an, a sexual abuse allegation comes forward, this is now like – this is where law enforcement has they're the gatekeepers, like you said, right? They are supposed to be standing kind of in front of the child and saying, okay, we're going to make this all happen through us. That's my, I think that that's mm-hmm. accurate in, in terms right. of what that's they are what supposed to, to do. Yep. Right. Supposed to is a very, very operative word there. So Massachusetts, we, we read a description of what the Middlesex County child advocacy center. This is what they say. They provide a coordinated response to cases of child sexual abuse, serious child physical abuse, and child exploitation. We receive referrals from the Department of Child and Children and Families, law enforcement, mandated reporters, and directly from families. Okay, so that's what they say right out the gate. They include child exploitation in their statement. We did not find that in local child advocacy center write-ups. Mm-hmm. They're they're not referencing. Um, exploitation, child exploitation <laughs> as something that they're addressing? Yes, yes. they are. Oh. Um, mm-hmm. So one of the child advocacy centers in one of the counties, uh, in Erie County, um, in New York. So let me just explain. Massachusetts has a statewide child child abuse response so it is centralized at the state level new york it is county to county new york does have the office of child and family services ocfs that creates sort of the rules for how the local counties are to kind of operate but it is not centralized Mm -hmm. so it makes a difference so in the erie county um cac website they don't even mention trafficking nothing about it there's no ish there's no comments they are actually, they've been um, taken over by Best Self. 
um, which is a mental health, you know, organization. Organization, locally. yeah. Um, they don't even talk about child exploitation at all. The only thing I could find on their website about it was the number for the National Trafficking Human or the National Human Trafficking Hotline. Um, which, by the way, if you call the National Human Trafficking Hotline. Um, you get rerouted to local anyways. It's, They'll take your information and they forward it to local law enforcement. Yeah. So you're not really going out or around anybody by doing that. Um, so that was Erie County. No mention. Here's the number if you're in trouble. Like, whatever. We don't even know about this. Um, Niagara County, however, um, has an entire page about um, child exploitation and um, which I will first just say that their their terminology of that is not even correct. It's they call it child trafficking, which we refer to it as trafficking a lot. But there's so many different like levels of that, and again, there's all different kinds of things. And they're just kind of like, yeah, like child trafficking. <laughs> um, the, but they do have a whole page about it, and their page is dedicated to detecting child trafficking. So we wanted to read some of the things that they put in here. Um, so these are some of the red flags that they list of child trafficking. That's how they say it. But they preface it with these warning signs indicate that something may not be right. May not be right. Um, one of these alone doesn't necessarily indicate trafficking, but can indicate other issues such as abuse. If some of these ring true for a child with whom you interact, you should reach out to us immediately. So following that statement... Number one red flag is a child that is under 18 years old and performs commercial sex acts. Mm, so <laughs> we just that. have a moment of silence for how ridiculous that is. So two things. First of all, that's not a red flag. That's trafficking. <laughs> like exactly. that's, that's, that's child exploitation right there. A child under the age of 18 years old who is, per, who is, uh, being exploited to, to do per commercial sex acts. They're also using the term performs as if it's by choice. There is a level of consent in that. Oh, that makes me rage and so again, hard. again, they're saying under 18 years old. So there is no age of consent when it comes to commercial sex acts under the age of 18. That's insanity, right? So number one, like everything, everything, everything is wrong with that statement. And that's their number one red flag. Um, number two red flag is excessively monitored by an adult. Highlight here. Who is not a parent or guardian, such as an older partner or sponsor who claims to provide for their upbringing and needs or who insists on speaking for them and being present at all times. They essentially, in that statement, give a pass to all parents and caregivers, even though we know that 40% of trafficking survivors, the trafficker is a parent or caregiver. So you're literally saying to, the, over here. to anyone who's reading, oh, they're the gold standard for red flags. Oh, but it's okay because it was a parent that was doing all the talking in that appointment, so I don't have to worry, right? Do, like they don't do they hear the impact that they're having on potentially people who are doing this research to help a child in danger? Like, oh my goodness, um, they have a couple other red flags that are just super super basic. You know, unable to give answers about their schedules, has numerous inconsistencies about um, age, place of birth, family life. That, to me, a little bit is more the refugee situation, like not knowing their birthday. That also, to me, sounds like a kidnapping situation mm -hmm. in which, like, it is, happens, but it's, it happens, but it's a super low number. Um, another one of the red flags, constant traffic of men at his or her home or work location. Again, if that's, I mean, 
Yep, you should call the authorities if that's happening to a child under the age of 18. Right. Just saying. Yep. Um, noticeable changes in dress, jewelry, hair, nails, you know, um, show signs of physical sexual abuse, of course, appears fearful, of course. Um, this one suffers from substance abuse problems, an array of other psychological disorders. I don't know. To me, that's a little like. <laughs> it feels a little victim blaming. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Um, here's another one. Carries multiple hotel key cards, lots of money, and sharp objects, parentheses, weapons. <laughs> Guys, again, we are talking about children under the age of 18. Maybe a 14 and over, you could say that that might maybe be maybe. true. Maybe. <laughs> uh, but be under that, which is what we are talking about here. No, that's not. No, 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 <laughs> no. Um, again, especially when it's a parent or caregiver, I was taken to multiple hotels to have men pay for these things. Not once did I carry multiple hotel key cards and lots of money. Also, the money was never coming to me. That's not that. Again, that's a, a different sector of commercial sexual exploitation. And it's often not that way in that sector either. No, right. Those being exploited are not the ones making all the money no. off of their exploitation. No, 100%. Um, it's ignorant, mm. honestly. That statement is ignorant. Um, sudden presence of an older boyfriend, tattoo with a name that is not their own. I don't know. Maybe that happens again. It happened. It was a thing for a while. My understanding is that that is far less yeah. of a thing that happens now. So then they jump to, okay, where does child trafficking happen? Again, we're using the word child. They use the word child because it's the Child Advocacy Center, okay? The gold standard of what should be. Where does child trafficking happen? They say strip clubs, exotic dancing, and pornography, Pornography, one, is not a location. Right. Uh, also, uh, okay, no. Um, okay, maybe. Yeah. What? What's the percent, though, right? right. Maybe. That's not. Maybe. Right. Nope. Um, also, begging. Someone please let me know the last time you saw a child on the street of Buffalo begging. Right. Please let us know. Right. Um, online ads, chat services, and porn sites. Yep. Escort or dating services. Children? Do children? we see a lot of children? I don't think so. That's like a black happens, market type of, yeah. Um, domestic labor, again. labor trafficking. That's labor trafficking, right? But there's a lot of overlap. Right. Here's the best one. The streets. <laughs> the streets. The streets. That, that's where that happens. Oh, okay. Um, businesses mm. such as hotels, motels, massage parlors, nail salons. Okay. Yeah. So... <laughs> Not acknowledging that it happens in people's homes. People's homes, churches. in churches, in businesses. And mm -hmm. I mean, right, we're number one is strip clubs and pornography, which is wild, uh, and the streets. Um, again, I'm not saying that there isn't a percentage of things that happen in these places or that some of those red flags are not accurate. But man, this is supposed to be. This is supposed to be the gold standard. Right. If someone's going to have a child in front of them who might be exhibiting problems and they Google what to do, child advocacy centers pop up, right? So they need to make sure that their information that they're sharing is ironclad. And and honestly, I would be I would I feel better about Erie County just having nothing right. <laughs> because then maybe that person would go elsewhere for their information. 
But my goodness, you can't be having information like this out there. Right. Because would you have referenced yourself in any of None this? None of it. None of it. Right. <laughs> At the state level also, by the way, they describe CSEC, commercial sexual, ex- sexual exploitation of children, as any instance where a person under the age of 18 has exchanged a sexual act or performance in exchange for something of value as if they are the one willing participant. Yeah. Right. There's a, there's a level of consent there. I guess all of that to say that, um, we, we sort of feel a little bit like we're at two ends of the spectrum, right? We went to Boston and we're at the high end of this is truly the gold standard. My life, my choice, um, the Massachusetts state level, you know, department of child and family services, they are the gold standard maybe in the country. They are light years, light years ahead of New York. Um, But I think we might also be living in a space that is light years behind. (laughs) Like, guys, we got to catch up. This is not, this is very, very frustrating. And so then I guess the feeling is it's not me. (laughs) It's not you. Uh, And it's not everywhere. So Massachusetts DCF describes commercial sexual exploitation as the victimization of a child through sexual exploitation or human trafficking, regardless if the person responsible is a caregiver. Absolutely. That is how Massachusetts describes it. The victimization. Worlds apart. Worlds. Worlds between Mm -hmm. Massachusetts and New York. Yep. We've got to catch up. So we've been asking ourselves for over two years, three years, whatever, how come it's so hard? Why is it so hard to get help? What is going on, right? We're trying, we don't try to throw shade anywhere. We don't try to throw salt where it doesn't belong. But this is why it's so hard. <laughs> this right. is why it's been so hard. And I'm not saying that it's not hard other places. I'm not saying that, you know, I don't know, that every single survivor in the state of Massachusetts is magically helped and all of their problems go away with the snap of their fingers. I'm not saying that. And nor are they. Nor are they, right? But a very, very glaring and and obvious thing to me when we came back from this trip was um, Massachusetts is the gold standard that we can find. And they are saying, tell us more. They are asking us, hey, we do do all of these things right. We know that we do. Um, We work very hard to flip the narrative to value survivor experiences. And we are hearing what you guys are saying. We believe you. The default is we 100% believe you. And none of this is surprising to us because it's not that we didn't understand any of these things. We just hadn't quite put it together the way you guys are putting it together. Exactly. And so, yes, we're the gold standard. And we need your help. Please come and educate us. Please come and educate our people. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, where is that? Locally? Where is that here? Right in Western New York. We are, I think Lorianne had said to us, like, so, you know, are your local places reaching out to you guys and saying, like, hey, can, you know, trainings and all of that? And we're like, no. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's a, it's an interesting dichotomy i guess is the best way to put it it is that is the best way to put it um we are hopeful like we really care deeply about the people in our area and want very much and also fully recognize please hear us everyone i'm a social worker i know i have so many colleagues who are working so hard and 
being as informed as they can be and doing everything they can to help the people in front of them. This is not to disrespect the people who are doing all the hard work. It is really, there is a systematic problem of how we are understanding child sexual exploitation locally that needs to be addressed. Right. And for me, as a survivor of these things, it's um, it's both horrifying and affirming all at the same time. It's horrifying that this is real, that this is the truth of what our systems look like here. And <laughs> it's not me. I'm not the problem. I'm not the reason why I couldn't get help. I'm not the reason why the Child Advocacy Center didn't help. I'm not the reason why um, these organizations didn't help. It's not me. And for my whole life, for over 30 years, I've been told, you're the problem. You are the reason. You are too or not enough or whatever. So the reality that that's not true is a little bit of a mind warp for me. Um, and I keep having those mind warps, mm. and I keep thinking that that's going to be the last one, and then it's not. <laughs> so I think, though, that's also why mezzo has to be a thing because it's terrible. It was terrible when all you could believe is that it was you. But then this space of going, oh, my gosh, but it's not just me, which means this is a far bigger problem Mm -hmm. than I ever even thought it was, which is devastating in a whole other way. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, hopeless maybe is the right word that it could feel very hopeless of, oh, my gosh, it's just such a mess. It's too big of a mountain to climb. Mm -hmm. Except that neither one of us are those people who just say, wow, that is a storm that we don't want to whatever. Um, we look around and go, holy crap, change needs to happen. And who better to do that? (laughs) If not us, then who? If not us, then who? So our trip was amazing. Um, Thank you, Massachusetts. Yes, thank you. Wow, thank you, thank you, thank you to the people that we met, to the amazing people that we got to talk to. Um, You have truly uh, brightened our perspective Mm -hmm. and given us hope and also really helped us um, hone in what it is that Mezzo needs to be, um, both for us locally um, and and beyond. Right. We we know that there is some work to be done and and we're here for it. We're here for it. So thank you for that. Um, If you haven't checked out Mezzo, um, we do have an Instagram. uh, So go check us out on Instagram. I think it's just at at Mezzo, M-E-Z-Z-O, right? It's not Mezzo Inc. It might be Mezzo Inc. I have no idea. <laughs> I created it, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, no idea. Hang on, let me check. this tagline. <laughs> totally, 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 here. totally. Shh, Mezzo Inc. <laughs> yep, you're right. <laughs> M-E-Z-Z-O-I-N-C, Mezzo Inc. So go check us out. Um, follow us. If you are, I'm going to say it like I said it in January. <laughs> okay. If you are a company, an organization, or um, anything of the set of that nature, please reach out to us if you are like, hey, we need this information. Um, we are partnering with some really cool people um, to, yeah, spread the awareness. So email us, uh, you know, message us, DM us. Is that the right terminology? I don't even You're know. You're asking oh me. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm the old so person. old. What in the world is happening to me? Oh, my goodness. That's it. If you or someone you know is stuck in a trafficking situation and needs help, please reach out to the National Human Trafficking Hotline by calling 1-888-3000.
or text HELP, H-E-L-P, to 233733.